I just got off the phone with Tom Mercado from the Budget Committee. This thing with Favre screwed up, Pooch. What? They can't lump us in with that fucking Martian. We're all in the same boat, fellas. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. <clears throat> hey, Farva, what's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? You mean shenanigans? Oh! The Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Where's my gold? (laughs) Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Top of the morning to you. Oh my God, Gabe, that is a look. Did you lose a bet? <laughs> now, Heidi found a store that had a, a hat, and she says, here you go. Here's your lucky hat. Here you go, bro. Do you feel lucky in that? Because you don't look lucky. <laughs> if you people could see what we're seeing right now, Gabe, he looks like he's got me pot of gold somewhere. I, I, I want me pot of gold. Uh, wow, you really look like a leprechaun. I need a shillelagh. Is that what that is? The, the little stick? My shillelagh, the neck? Is that what that is? Is that racist? <laughs> yeah, that's racist. No. Is it? I hope so. I I'm part Irish. No, you're little not. Part. Oh, yes, I am. He's oh, yeah. the originator of Carlos O'Kelly's. I was good. He's the real Carlos <laughs> O'Kelly, isn't he? Yeah, German, Irish, Mexican. Really? Oh, yeah. This, this, now, this dates back to one of our very first shows. It does, sure. How's that? The, the Mexican-Irish? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's St. Patrick's Day in a few days. And not only that, but Gabe's got this uh, ridiculous beard, I guess is what you could call it. <laughs> but uh, since he doesn't really grow a mustache very well, it looks like he's... He really does look like a fucking leprechaun. He's got a white beard. <laughs> he looks like an Amish leprechaun. Yeah. I've been trying to shave for a couple of days. It hasn't happened. And this mustache is out of hand. I, I look like, if I went with a mustache only, I'd look like Slowpoke Rodriguez from the cartoons. It's, it's terrible. But the beard, I don't know. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> you, 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 look like, uh, you look like Doc or, or uh, what, what's the other guy? The, the, um, the sidekick, Dr. Hook's sidekick. Oh, I don't Dr. Know. Hook and the Medicine Man? No. Peter Pan. Oh, Captain Hook. And Doc, yeah. Um, What's his Hook, name, right? Doc? Doctor Hook. Smee. Smee. Schmied. Yes, you look like Schmied. I don't know who that is. Oh, man. Oh, I, don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to do a show with you looking like that. <laughs> well, I couldn't let it go to waste, so I, here we are. 
St. Patrick's Day. Can I ask you two gents something? Because I sometimes feel like I've led a sheltered life and I, everyone knows things that I don't. Since when is it a thing, like four or five days before St. Patrick's Day, for people to be parading around town because it's the weekend? Well, since when is since when was this past weekend St. Patrick's Day weekend? Is that always a thing? It's in New it's, York. It's like St. Patrick's Day is St. Patrick's Day. Whenever the fuck that turns out to be, right. and you get drunk off your fucking ass on that day, you don't do something on the weekend before. You don't dress up in green and parade around like a dick bag. Did. Did somebody kill your relatives uh, last weekend? <laughs> it's okay. Relax. No, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's not that big a deal, I guess. It, 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 has, uh, it has grown in popularity. The, the, the weekend Irishers, I guess, is what you could call them. And I don't think they're all Irish. I don't think any of them are Irish. I don't think real Irish people do this. They get drunk, of course. They yell at each other. They puke. They do all the things that we know that Irish people do, but do they care as much about this as like, you know, Jamie Twinkletoes in college or something cares about this? I don't know. I'm not part of that group. I don't go out and drink and I don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but I did go out to Fitzgerald's and my wife got corned beef and cabbage and... The whole shebang. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Fitzgerald's. I was at Fitzgerald's. What was I at? there. It was a place called... What's it called in town here? There was another... There's a restaurant. It might be called Fitzgerald's. Fitzpatrick something. Is there a Fitzgerald's out there? I believe I actually tagged Fitzgerald's in one of our Facebook posts. That Fitzgerald's that you went to. (laughs) We weren't there, were we? No. Okay. But how was that show? It was good. It was a good show. It was fun. It was... uh, it was nice to play. What, Gabe, what's going on over there? Yeah, are, are you? <laughs> I'm looking up where I went. I went to Fitzpatrick's, and I had it set backwards. Thank God. This is one of those things where I get them mixed up. You played Fitzgerald's. I went to Fitzpatrick's. See, most of us have to drink a lot to be as confused as you are. No, let's see. It's like, you you don't have to drink at all, and you're walking like, around drunk wearing a no. dumb hat. <laughs> I'm dyslexic. Thinking you were at places you weren't. No, even even my wife said Fitzpatrick's, and I said, no, it's Fitzgerald's. What are you talking about? And, and we walked right in, and I didn't even look at the sign. It, it was Fitzpatrick. I was going to say, maybe you should listen to her once in a while, but you are wearing that hat that she bought for you, so I, I don't know about that. Run. <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on? Uh, I, uh, I texted my friend Mike Lustig. Because I was trying to think about, uh, do you want to say who tonight's guest is? Blake Smith. Oh yeah, let's. Uh, we got Blake Smith on the show tonight. Do you know? Do you know who that is, Gabe? Blake Smith. There's only one Blake Smith. He's uh, one of the fellows from Fig Dish. Caviar wasn't he in Caviar? Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, music extraordinaire fellow, Chicagoan. No, I don't think that's the Blake Smith we have on. <laughs> we have Blake Smith, the gymnast. Yeah, I know. We got a different one. So I texted Mike Lustig of Ruth Ruth, and I, because mm-hmm. I had this memory of seeing Fig Dish at Brownies, and I thought it must have been on a show with Ruth Ruth. Okay. So I, I texted Mike, and I said, Did you f- tour with Fig Dish? And he said, Yeah. <laughs> and I said, Blake from Fig Dish is on the podcast tonight. And he said, I'd say it was one of our most depressing tours. Oh, and yeah. 
And I said, what made it depressing? Boy, he said, all the, all the shows were poorly attended. I think that tour even had a show where we didn't even bother to play. Maybe played the Metro with them, and that show had their crowd, but the rest of the shows were brutal and barely got to know them. Like, I don't even know if we ever talked. And I said, I think I saw you with them at Brownies. It was possible. Most of the tour was the Midwest, and I guess we were billed as co-headlining or something stupid like that. There you go. Oh, so, 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 so I said, wow. He said, you, I said, wow, we need to have you on. And he said, tonight or in general? And I said, no, in general. So here's the final thing from him. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't know Blake if I were sitting across from him. I remember liking the band, but we barely said hello. I think maybe he'll remember differently. And the show where we didn't play was in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. I'm pretty sure they played to like four people. And then we were supposed to end it, and we just didn't play because it went from ben, four ben, to, to ben, zero. What are you doing? <laughs> Sell this. If, this is, if you're going to spend this long telling us this text exchange, do voices or something. It sounds like you're about to fall asleep. I am, dude. That's Mike Lustig's voice. Well, if he's that exciting, I can't wait to have him on the show. <laughs> well, when this kind of story is, what a great tale he has to tell. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, depressing. I don't think we even yeah. talked to each other. Who is I, this? I wouldn't know, Blake, if he fell on me and uh, we played to four people and I left before we got yeah. on stage. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's what I can bring to the table. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you really want Mike Lustig on this show, don't you? <laughs> hey, he's got great... He will be fucking great. That guy has so. played... Yeah, because he has been on he's played with an insane amount of like big bands that are like oh right like, like Fig the, Dish. yes fig dish the kinks stevie ray vaughn all sorts of shit ruth ruth played with stevie ray vaughn uh it wasn't the, the, he and chris the kennedy the lead singer from ruth ruth were in a band before that called janata double trouble but they were they were on the whatever stevie ray vaughn's last show was that he then got killed in whatever helicopter yeah. crash they were they were at that show that was at uh alpine, alpine valley. valley yeah yeah he was supposed to go to buddy guy's place and play yeah. you know what i didn't realize is waylon jennings was in buddy holly's band and mm. he gave up his seat to the big bopper did you know that I must have, but uh, I don't, it's not it's ringing a bell. That is yeah. crazy. It's it crazy weird. to me. And then he wrote the Dukes of Hazzard soundtrack. That was a right? close one. That's a close one. Can you imagine giving up your seat to the Big Bopper? You're that fucking close. That's freaking. Just like, didn't Rudy Sarzo do the same thing with Randy Rhodes? No, what? R Rudy was going to get in the plane with Randy Rhodes when they were flying around. But Rudy said, nah, you take it. I'll, I'll try the next one. Something like that. Look it up. Well, I like to refer to him as Mr. Sarzo, but since you're on a first-name <laughs> basis with Rudy, uh, I, I, said, I, I didn't know that. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes me appreciate my life. You know? I mean, it's like, it's like, whoa, dude, that was close. That was... Doesn't Herb have a story about somebody narrowly avoiding getting killed by somebody from Motley Crue or something? Shit like no, that. he has a story about uh, <laughs> Gabe putting him on his uh, death, his kill list, his Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Deadpool. Right. So That's right. He, he narrowly avoided death from that one. Right. Speaking of death, RIP to William Hurt. Gabe, do you know mm. who William Hurt was? was it, I know the actor. He wasn't in the thing, was he? No. That's uh, 
Unless you're unless you refer to broadcast news as the thing. Kurt Russell. You watching the, the thing again? No, you know, I that watch thing, it. that thing you watch. Broadcast <laughs> news. You watching that thing? No, my dad made me watch a thing when I was growing up, and uh, I was pretty scared of it. But it was a good movie back then. I know you like it. It's a great movie. Broadcast yeah. news or the thing? What are we talking about? The thing. I, I didn't see broadcast news. I don't, I don't know William Hurt. I wouldn't be able to see him if he was sitting next to me. What if Blake Smith fell on William Hurt, who then fell on you? Would you know? Is that what happened to William Hurt? (laughs) I thought it was natural causes. Or Gabe, have you seen any William Hurt movie? Have you seen Broadcast News? No. Have (laughs) you seen uh, The Big Chill? No. Kiss of the Spider Woman. No. Altered States. Altered Beast. Hang on, I got one. Body Heat. No. Seen Body Heat. I don't think wow, so. Wow, you're missing out, dude. How about A History of Violence? None of his movies. I don't think it's ever, he's ever crossed the screen. Have you ever watching. watched a Skinamax movie? I know you've done that. I'm, it's been on at night when I had it, and, and no big deal. There would be no, no big deal. Skinamax. There would be no Cinemax movies if it weren't for Body Heat. They all try to be Body Heat. There'd be no Andrew Stevens. Uh, about 85% of Shannon Tweed's career would be non-existent was andrew stevens in a bunch of skinamax movies yeah he was like i didn't have cable as a kid yeah he was kind of the uh the skinamax auteur uh but yeah they're all body heat and william hurt was in body heat okay gabe i probably won't be going back to watch it but i agree i i i, I believe you not even bro- now. Broadcast News is a great movie. You haven't seen that? No. I as as it, fate would have it, I watched that all weekend this last weekend. So I feel partly responsible for uh, William Hurt's passing. It's really r- weird when stuff like that happens. You watched it all weekend. Yeah. You know, I came home. I was like, ah, you know what? Broadcast News is on. Watched about twenty minutes, and I was like, oh, snoozed. Woke mm-hmm. up the next day. I was like, "Oh, put on broadcast news again." You know, it's one of those things that it's it's uh, eminently rewatchable. Eminently, eminently, is it eminently or eminently? It's eminently. Whatever. Imminence front. Oh, you beat me to it. I was like, "How do I fit this in? How do I fit this in?" And that's a put on. Took care. That is a put on. Took a year and two weeks to get Eminence front on this podcast. I thought the over and under would have been at least five years. <laughs> <laughs> I would have taken the over. <laughs> well, we still haven't talked about Athena. What whose song do you hate more, Athena or Eminence Front? Or like more, depending on which way you're looking at it. Who are you asking? I'm, I'm, I'm asking me little leprechaun there. <laughs> I like that mid late 70s early 80s hoot stuff I don't I don't hate it so you like Eminence Front that riff just gets in your head and you can't get get rid of it because it it plays over and over and over <laughs> I mean I don't care what the riff is you play it that many times it's gonna get in your head we'll ask Blake if he if he thinks that song is a jam or, or just a yeah but what, what do you think do you think he's gonna like it less uh, or more than Athena you know Athena right I had no idea. She's a bong. <laughs> She's a bong. She's a bong. Athena. That, I mean, that, that's not even a serious question, is it right? Because Athena is a what terrible do you think? song. You I think, think Athena's worse than Eminence Front? Yeah, I, I like it. I like Eminence Front. 
But what about you better, you better, you bet? Well, that's that's a better song, right? Eminence Friend is like a Eminence Friend is like a Pete Townsend solo song, and I like that Pete Townsend solo album more than I like most of the. What White City? Whatever that's got like Rough Boys and. Uh, wow. Let my love. Oh, open all the, door. the best cowboys have Chinese eyes. Is that yeah. what record that? Yeah, my love open the door. That's my not love the who? open the door. That's good. no, that's not the who. No. I would have bet money on that. No, it's Pete Townsend. That is a terrible song. Oh come on, come on. That's what about slit skirts? Oh, I like that one. That's oh, yeah. a good song. That's the same album. Is it? Well, Isn't it? Well, I mean, I can, I can hate a song on a record, right? No, I can do that. No. I, I got to take the whole thing. You really don't. What if? Like, what if? It, what if it's? <laughs> what if it's a? Uh... Okay, wait. Here's my question to you: Which is the, which? Do you hate more? Let my love open the door, or Paul McCartney coming up? <laughs> oh, coming up is a great song. Oh, that dude. is a great fucking song. It's, it's like a, a goofy novelty song, even more so than Let My Love Open the Door. That doesn't. No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't rate that, and I think it's got a great vocal. I think it's it's a really good song. What's not to love about it? Well, what's I mean, not to love about Let My Love Open the Door? It's a little stupid. Oh, coming up. That's that's intelligentsia right there. Well, it, at least it's got some soul. Like a flower. In, in that vocal. <laughs> like a flower. The video's worse. Oh, the video's great. The video's got hit paying tribute to Sparks. You should hate the video. Well, I, I, I don't like that. But yeah, you play that song. I'm I'm getting down. I'm I'm on the dance floor when that song comes on. And what are you doing when let my love opens the door? I'm opening the door and taking off. <laughs> I mean the the worst Paul McCartney song is the the Christmas his Christmas song. Mm-hmm. That's that's just indefensible. There's nothing I can say about that one. But coming up, no. Coming up, I I strongly disagree. I'm not I, listen. I like coming up fine. Honestly, McCartney 2 is probably my favorite McCartney album. But uh, uh, I was just trying to figure out something that seemed like in the ballpark of why you uh, might not like Let My Love Open the Door. That's my love. It's <laughs> That's my love. Ooh, I mean, uh, well, that's not a very, Billy that's Joel not very bit, rock and roll. A, no, but you didn't do it right. Oh, yeah? How am I supposed to do it? <laughs> well, it doesn't have that kind of a... That's my love. It's more kraut rock than what you're doing. It's jitterbug. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Gabe, Jesus. It's about the time of Shannon now, isn't it? It's, no. Oh, is it? Yeah, late 70s. You know, Shannon now was at Woodstock. I heard that and I said, holy cow, how did that, how did I not know that? I'd like to look that up to see the video because I've never seen it. You've never seen the movie? I'm, I'm, I might have seen clips of it, but I don't remember seeing the scenery, the big old, you know, landscape of Woodstock with Sha Na Na doing their, whatever they do, you know? Well, they played during the day. And I don't know. Yeah, no, Bowser was there. Because there's a bit where he's like, going, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he's still But there's a there. lot of people in Sha Na Na back then that aren't in the TV show. Like a lot of like, sort of like, it's almost like, was Shanana sort of like, uh, like Menudo where they would just keep having new members. Cause it looked like there's a couple of people in, uh, Shanana during the Woodstock movie that looks like they're just about to age out of yeah. being in the band. Somehow Bowser never aged out. No, no. 
Bowser was a, I think Bowser probably got control of the, uh, the rights to Shanana, and it became right. Bowser's Shanana. He, he's the chips enough of uh, Shanana. <laughs> oh my God! All right, so we've had Ruth, Ruth, and chips enough. So you're done, right? That's all you've got. <laughs> and this nonstop cavalcade of your '90s pals. Hey, everybody! It's Blake Smith. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what are you doing, Blake? Um, is you this know, happening? A lot of people don't know, but you're super tech savvy. <laughs> so, a lot of people don't know who you are. Um, what what episode are you guys on with this thing? Fifty. Come on, get I think it's Heinz fifty-seven, right? Fifty. Wow, that much. Fifty-seven. Yes, it, it is. Be, yeah, I think. Yeah. Right, we got so, a few things we want to talk to you about, Blake. One of them is, what do you think this fucking look that Gabe is rocking here? <laughs> he just decided to put on blue sunglasses out of out of the blue. You're like a like a disco leprechaun. I don't really get it. Aren't you? Uh, a, the Mexican disco leprechaun with the gray beard. You're like a Mexican. He's he's like <laughs> he's like a, a a a leprechaun pimp. I mean, <laughs> I'm the Cat Williams of leprechauns. Oh God. I don't know what I am. Wow. wow. He looks like so, he looks like one of the killers in like the Mexican remake of Diva. Okay. Too too much of a deep cut for you guys. Wow. That's deep. Then went went real deep. (laughs) That that is a deep cut for Uh, sure. Okay. So speaking of deep cuts is, uh, well, these aren't deep cuts, but what is better or worse? uh, uh, The Who's Eminence Front or the Who's Athena? Oh, geez. Uh, You can dance to uh, Eminence Front. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would go with Eminence Front. Athena has that like... uh, that line about there was a snake the size of a sewer pipe living in his rib cage, <laughs> and it felt like a pickled priest that was being flambéed. You got me requisition, baby. It's pretty good. Help, help me out with that. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, a pretty crap on, lyric. What's going I, on know? at the end where it goes, it's like, you bomb, and he goes, I said it. I did. Me. What is happening in the song at that point? <laughs> okay, at the at, at the. Great school I went to, Scott. Everybody thought that he was saying she's a whore. Oh, not she's a bomb. I don't know. I don't I don't really know. Who knows what was going on? I think Townsend at that time wasn't he uh trying to sober up at that period <laughs> in his life? Hold on a second. I've I've always thought it was she's a girl, he's a boy, or something like that. No, that's I'm a boy. I don't know what you're talking but about. But my mom would admit it. Things. You're getting confused <laughs> with another who song. You guys got 57 episodes deep on this kind of material. (laughs) And then Um, the other thing we want to know about is, uh, what was it like touring with Ruth Ruth? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So that was in the Figdish days. And I remember that we were out. It was, uh, you know, the coveted uh, Northeast Coast January run that you do in a van. Uh that you know you fight over those precious dates in stanford and portland maine in in january and i remember uh we were having an average attendance at those shows of about i don't know 10 or 11 people and uh we were just like well let's at least make friends with the other band and so we were trying to get them to go out with us and it turned out that none of them went out and they went back (laughs) to their they went back to their and first of all like you know it it was fig dish and we were like let's go out and they're like we don't go out didn't really understand what that meant. Like, right. well, what do you mean you don't go out? You're in a band. And uh, 
uh, they went back to the room and they played cards with each other every night. So Ooh. we never, so uh, perfectly nice people and polite. Um, but that's about as far as that relationship went. That's what it was like touring with them. Well, to hear them tell it, you guys gave them the cold <laughs> shoulder the entire time. <laughs> did you actually, did you have them on the show before us? That's great. No, before every show, uh, Ben texts one of the guys in the band to see what he thinks of who's on the show. My, my pre-show ritual is like to confab with the ex-Ruth Ruth members. Is that, that's a very odd uh, pre-show ritual. No, they were, they were nice guys and everything. I, I just remember that you know, they were a band that, that went on every night and were tight and professional. And then we would do you know, an 11-minute version of Sympathy for the Devil and, and knock everybody's tables over in the crowd. I mean, it was, we were just very different. Um, yeah. aesthetic. So let's just put it that way. But they're nice. Ben, you can tell them hello. I will. Ask them if they go out now. Why don't you tweet? Why don't you text him hello right now? <laughs> Why don't I call? Can, can I call him? I'll call him. Oh, no. Oh, no. Call him. no. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. But no. no, but but Mike, my friend Mike, uh, the guitarist in Ruth Ruth, he, he would go out. He must have been under pressure from the other two guys to stay in and play cards. Well, maybe they were. Ter- we were a particularly, yeah, scary proposition at that point. Also, um, and Scott, that was the uh, that was the tour. You showed up at one of the dates on the tour. It was in it was in in Connecticut. You guys were recording out there or something, and you came to one of our shows. And that was the night you brought the Dave's Insanity Sauce. Uh-huh. And first time I ever had that. And uh, it wasn't the night you smeared it on my microphone, which, no. by the way, revenge is a dish served very chilly. Just keep that keep that in your back of your mind, buddy. I don't uh, know if we did that to you. I, I think we, we smeared chocolate. Oh, you fucking did it. Oh, microphone. the chocolate. Yeah, the chocolate where it looked like I ate a plate of poo halfway through the set. That was, a, that was in Dallas. <laughs> that, was, you know, that was good times. We had the best prank of the night, though. Um, if you remember... It? We had filled because um, not not to talk about uh, Joe or anything because you know Joe was always perfectly nice to me, but um, we filled his hi hat with goldfish crackers, and I can't remember what you guys were opening with on that tour, but it was something where he's just both hands bashing on the hi hat out of the gate, and these goldfish crackers just went everywhere. They were in his eyes, in his hair, they were sticking to his body, and um, he thought that. Uh, Steve Lack from Veruca Salt had done it, even though it was me and, and Rick, or me and Mike, I can't remember. And so he got up and, like, see Steve Lack on the side of the stage. He just got out from behind the drums and just picked him up and threw him into the crowd. <laughs> We're just like, uh, that, was, that was us, Joe. Anyway, yeah, that night was getting out of, out of hand. It was. It was a good time. How did you start Fig Dish, and, and when was that? Were you guys in high school, or who, who, whose well, bright idea was that? Well, you don't end up with a band name as crappy as Figdish unless you started it in high school. And well, so whose we, idea was the band name? A guy named Steve Campbell. So we were we rented an eight track. Me and Rick and Mike. We weren't even a band, and decided to learn how to record ourselves on an, on an eight track reel to reel, which is like not not the way to learn. And we made this god awful. A demo of like four or five songs and steve campbell took german and he's like we should be called fig dish because it's like sounds similar to fu and german apparently and you know how you just get it's like local h which is at least you know local h is 
mysterious enough that anybody can impart their own meaning on it. Figdish is just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Honestly, I'd be in a mansion instead of this crappy coach house if we had a different name, I think, at this point. You think that's all it was? That's all it was. It didn't have anything no, to do with that. So, no uh, self-destructive no, uh, tendencies. Nothing not. like that. So, so in high school, you started the band. Was it with juniors? It feels like a junior type of thing to do. It was a junior type of thing. That's, that's yeah. very uh, perspicacious of you, Scott. And we were the band that played the school dances. So we did a lot of covers. Um, I can still play Blister in the Sun in my sleep right now. And yeah. can't get there from here was another another crowd favorite um oh, yeah <laughs> oh yeah rem was big in my high school um yeah we played all the dances and everything and we would come home on summer vacation you know from college when we went there and play in someone's backyard and it just kind of kept going we all got out of school and nobody could get a job and we started to uh do you remember when the cubby bear used to have bands mm-hmm. they had they had quarter beer night and so we started, we wanted to make a real demo with a real producer. We didn't have any money because nobody had any jobs. Uh, so we started, a, we taped an hour and a half of music off of Q101 uh, and just learned that hour and a half of music. And at that time, Matthew, Matthew Sweet was a big deal in Chicago. Because remember when uh, Divine Intervention or Girlfriend came out? Right. Um, he went gold, but 300,000 of those records were sold in the Chicagoland area because of Q101 and XRT. Was back when you could still have a regional hit. That's and a lie. That's the fucking truth, man. So we called ourselves Divine Intervention, learned that hour and a half of music, um, and sent a uh, tape to the Cubby Bear, and they had quarter beer night. And what we didn't realize at the time is you paid $5, and every beer after that was a quarter. And so you can imagine how sloppy, like all the Paul kids and everybody were. And they pay you uh, based on the crowd. But it was an automatic sellout because of the beer special. So even though we were god awful, we were making a thousand dollars every time we played there, <laughs> which was an obscene amount of money back then for a cover band. And yeah, they're like, "You guys are great," and I'm like, "We're terrible." Just it's the beer special. But um, and we used that money. We made our first demo. That's how we got started. And where was that demo made? That was made at uh, Solid Sound. A guy named Phil Benet, who passed away from a, an aneurysm some years ago by now, but we went out there cause he'd done, uh, worked with the slugs who were a band that we liked and, uh, another band called green. He did Elaine McKenzie by them. And right. we went out there and realized, uh, you know, it was cool. It was in Hoffman estates in a, at a strip mall and mm-hmm. he was a super nice guy. And he was also the guy we were all moving from our pop punk phase already. Uh, we discovered my bloody Valentine, um, isn't anything was out. And he was the guy we're like, how do you get the guitar sound? And he pulled out that Yamaha reverb delay, reverse delay unit and showed us how to get the My Bloody Valentine sound, which was like basically like magic to us at that point. We were like, oh, he's some sort of wizard. Kill him. Didn't you like do a demo with uh, Jeff Murphy over at Short Order? We did. So we uh, then, because we just were such Chicago band fanboys, uh, International Pop Overthrow came out, um, mm-hmm. Material Issue, which is which is funny. I put it on like two weeks ago, just out of the blue. It's a pretty great record. Yeah. I and mean, it holds up really well. And we, we already knew Shoes. Who, uh, uh, didn't you have Jeff Murphy on the show once? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I listened to that one, but um, Shoes, were, Shoes were a fantastic band. And... Uh, we went up there and, and it was a 
very different experience. He's very, you recorded with Jeff, right? Early yeah. days of local age. Yeah. But he just was so pro where we'd sing and, oh, I'd sing it twice. It's fine. And he'd be like, well, no, actually the whole thing's a quarter tone flat. It's terrible. You're going to get, and that's not actually a harmony that exists anywhere in the real musical world. Get back right. in the booth. And we were like, oh, okay. And yeah, he was the, he was the, it was the first time we realized how bad we were as a band. Yeah. <laughs> you made us, but, but no, you taught us how to do it though. Was that the, uh, unleash the Kraken? Oh, shut up. <laughs> it took yeah, it was. 23 minutes to get that one out. It's good. <laughs> Are we 23 minutes in? Good. How long do these things go? Like, okay. Um, yeah, that was, that was unleash the Kraken. It was unleash the Kraken. Okay. That's, yeah, which... that's, that's Gabe's favorite. Oh no, it's not. I actually don't have that, but I heard it one day at a at a at the Metro when when Scott played it between bands one time. I think before Fingers was playing, wasn't it? Well, yeah, and that that was horrible of him. And we we used to go around destroying copies. So <laughs> even when we were like in a van playing colleges with no record out or seven inch, that shitty CD would turn up. We'd be at like University of Indiana on some kid's floor, and he'd be like. I got this somehow. And then we would just kind of like slide out the door with it and destroy it in the street. And actually found out putting a compact disc in the microwave um, also makes it unplayable afterwards and creates a tiny little lightning storm in the microwave. That's a delight to watch. Uh, no, I put that on when you guys were setting up and you guys are bringing your amps out, plugging your guitars in and the, the thing starts up and Rick Ness's head goes up like a deer. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, what the fuck? He runs off of the stage, comes out to the sound booth, ejects the CD, looks at me, and like breaks it like right in my face, like no. And then just that's pulls a, it down, goes back up there. And... Yeah, that's muscle memory for sure. <laughs> He'd been doing that for decades. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, he's Doctor Nest now. Did you know that? I do. No. Yeah, did you? yeah he's he's uh, got his doctorate in Madison. So um, does he go to your school there, uh, Ben? I guess. Do you know Rick Ness? No. Have you seen How him walking you... around in the halls? Have you seen Dr. Ness walking around the halls? He just became Dr. Ness. Uh, he got his doctorate in uh, this. I mean, and this is a super hot competitive field, uh, comparative literature. Mm. Actually, comparative Victorian literature in the post-industrial age. Oh, get it. I need to pr- pr- get and, to and, and we So just look for the guy with all the women following him. Around. We told him <laughs> he, would, he would never amount to anything with that. So how did you guys get involved in the in the Chicago scene? Would you say that uh, Cubby Bear was your entree or did you? Uh, Cubby Bear was great for money. Um, the, the very first show we ever played, um, believe it or not, was at Metro. We couldn't believe it. So we made our, our little demo tape. So you played Metro before Cubby Bear? No, we played Cubby Bear first, but it was as a cover band. Okay. So we never played our own songs anywhere. And we made that tape with Jeff Murphy uh, and sent it to Joe Shanahan. And, you know, back then it was a cassette in an envelope. And, you know, Uh we had to look in the phone book to get the address and everything. Um, And uh, sent it to him and just thinking, whatever. And we, (laughs) we get a a letter, a typewritten letter back from Joe right. that is like super thoughtful. It was like three paragraphs, probably took him like 20 minutes to write about like this song sounds like early period XTC. Right. This is Husker Du with all guns blazed, all this shit. We were just like, whoa. And he invited us to play uh, oh. Metro. And so we were all uh, 
perhaps underage and it was not an all ages show. Um, but you know, Hey, it was the nineties people. Was it rock against depression? It was rock against depression. Yeah. It was a Wednesday yeah. night. And we, we were so excited. We opened for a band called Bigfoot sex slaves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember them? Yeah, I do. Yeah. We were, we were pretty psyched to play a Wednesday night and, uh, and I will never forget like how terrified it is to walk out on stage at Metro. It was, it was our first like real show of any consequence. And the first time we've ever played any of our songs for anybody. And, um, you yeah, know, that I feel moment, like you're a million miles away from everybody. You do. And, uh, I mean, Scott, you, you still probably to this day when you play Metro and you know, you hear everybody yelling, whether they know you or not, although, you know, they know local age, but you're on that side of the stage waiting to walk out and the lights go down and you hear the people react like that's that's overwhelming the first time you do it. Yeah. Best rock club in the United States. So we didn't know it then because it was the first place we ever played. But then, uh, you know, as we played every single club and bar of every size in America, um, you come back home and you're like, this is actually the best club in the United States. Yeah. Well, they would send letters. They would send those letters to you. And like, so you got one like, too. Oh, yeah. Everybody got yeah. one. But they would just break down all the songs and tell you who you sounded like. And it, and it was never like the thing like, oh, this demo sounds like this band. Like each song, they would compare it to a different band, right? Who do, who would do that in this day and age? I mean, and that's that's kind of like we, we were shocked and embarrassed and thrilled. And you kind of knew that... Uh, especially as you got out of Chicago and toured around, like how special, you know, what Joe was doing there, you know, really was. Right. So like after that, you know, you only, <laughs> you, there's, you only go down. Where, where, where was the next place you played? <laughs> the second show we ever played. Uh, so we didn't even know what it was. We got just me. We just sat around one afternoon, like every band does. It sends out, a, you know, all your cassettes to any club that you can find. And, um, do you remember batteries not included over by the Webster place theater? Yeah. Which was, which was not there. It was actually a pretty sketchy neighborhood at the time. Right. We got in, we got, uh, offered $30 to play, uh, batteries not included. And we went there and I remember we pulled up and the door guy was Jim Ellison from material issue. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, which was like kind of like we were starstruck by that because he was you know on the radio and everything and uh just it was just a weird experience and a terrible show oh yeah i mean were you going out in that period you and i didn't know each other until like what 93 or something we probably something met, like right that. right yeah oh god anyway were you playing down there at that time we would play yeah 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 we we're playing we we're playing at all the places you know like lounge acts and Metro and Gabe, what's Ambulance. that one place that we played like way out west? Ooh, oh my gosh! Remember that? Oh, place? Club Stadola was yeah. it? Club Stadola, yeah. Club Stadola. <laughs> right, right. That was great. It was like a Polish gangster, uh, a quasi strip club that had bands. It was great. Right, we played there more than a few times. Um, probably did pretty well there. So you're, you're, you're doing the circuit, you're doing all that stuff. Like, are you, are you like hanging out with other bands? You, know, you, you guys were very friendly, gregarious. Who was like the first band that like you guys would become friendly with? Oh man. Well, I'm showing you, know, you the ropes, the local music scene ropes in Chicago. No, no one showed us the local ropes, but we, you know, we came up the same time you did. We met you guys early on. We met triple fast action early on. 
I mean, you remember that time and I was, I was dating uh, Nina from Veruca Salt for, you know, a uh, number of years too. I mean, we were just all kind of going to the same places, hanging out together. Yeah. But I don't think anybody was showing anybody any ropes. I thought you guys were there a little bit earlier than we were. Shut up. And you had kind of established yourself a little bit more than we did. Uh, yeah, establish ourselves with what? I mean, we might have been there a little bit earlier than you, than you guys. You, yeah, you guys were kind of the hot new guns. Yeah. And, I, and I was <laughs> no. your... As you're fond of reminding you, reminding me the first night you and I hung out at uh, what was it Elbow Room and played pool, right? It, it was uh, Scott. I don't know Gabe and Ben if you know this, but Scott did one of the most epic burns of my lifetime. We were playing pool together, and we were kind of like just sort of sniffing each other out, hanging out, having a few drinks at everything, and like eh, I don't know about your Ben, I don't know about yours. And I said something like. You guys sound, you know, an awful lot like Nirvana. And Scott, correct me if I get this wrong, but you were about to sink the eight ball and you just like looked at me and said, you sound like Soul Asylum, <laughs> the eight ball, <laughs> which was like, and I know you guys tour with Soul Asylum and everything, but like that was it, a pretty deep insult at the time. <laughs> I hope Dave Perner's not watching this, but. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, you were trying okay, to good. throw me off my game, so. Yeah. Yeah. Our A&R guys were and this is, you know, this is as major label as they can get, but our A&R guys were good friends. So they're like, "Yeah, you guys you guys are from the same town. You should hang out together." So it's almost like we had been uh set up by our yeah, it was a date, A&R guys. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Basso and Andrew Brightman. I was actually text, texting with Andrew Brightman earlier today um about some random stuff, but uh yeah, I remember that. It was like a, Andrew was always trying to connect people, so he connected us. And then I remember a few years later, he uh, had become friends with uh, Dave Eggers, writer. Oh, yeah. You know, heartbreaking work of Staggering Genius. Right. And he just called me, and he was just like, hey, Dave Eggers is at his house in Libertyville with Tom Morello and Vince Vaughn. Here's the address. You should just go up there having a pool party. It was like 11 o'clock at night, like December. He's like, just drive up there and tell him you know me. I was like, absolutely fucking not, man. I mean, I know Vince and Tom Morello used to hang out with each other all the time, but what is Dave Eggers doing in that soup? I just think they're the most famous people from Libertyville. I think that's really what it is. I mean, I don't know. You grew up in Zion. You're closer to Libertyville than Glenview was. I mean, were you guys all hanging out up there? Was there some sort of, like, power ranking? Uh, Gabe? No. No. Just Gary Coleman and who else? All right, Gary Coleman. Right. Gary Coleman. And this goes back to you. No, from Zion. Okay, Gabe, oh, yeah. Gabe can, you, can you verify, did, did Scott or did Scott not try out for different strokes? Because I feel like this is apocryphal, but is, it, is this something that actually happened? I did not try out for different strokes. Uh, I, I tried out to be the uh, Harris Banker kid. And we're beaten out by Gary Coleman. Todd, Bridget, Todd Bridges or Gary, uh, Gary, okay, Col- Gary Coleman? Gary Coleman, he was the Harris Banker kid. And, and I'm not saying, you know, I would have went on to be in different strokes, but uh, I, I am saying that he did. <laughs> Come on, how different your life would be. Now. Yeah, it'd be so much better. No, I'm kidding. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You yeah, would have been yeah, great yeah. as Arnold. <laughs> what you talking about, Ben? Oh, and Gabe, yeah, I actually was thinking about you. I was in New Orleans a couple of months ago, <laughs> and 
uh, I don't know what possibly I could have been there. Why for. were you there? Yeah. Why, why was I in New Orleans, Scott? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And and uh, I was uh, eating upstairs at the hotel I was staying in, and there's this like kind of big burly guy there, and uh, he was wearing a Chromax shirt, and I started talking to him. And guess what band he was in? A big burly guy. Yeah. Juliana Hatfield three. No, he was in uh, Smash Mouth. Uh, no, he was in the Chromax. <laughs> he was wearing his own shirt. He was wearing his own shirt. That's what band he was in. Which, which I think is such, I think is such a, a flex. Like Joe Elliott used to do that in Def Leppard. He'd walk around in a Def Leppard shirt. Like the Ramones, Metallica. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty heavy move. Yeah, but that's they do it on move. stage. They do it on stage, not walking down the street. <laughs> I think Steve Harris wears his yeah. own shirt. Does every conversation come back to Iron Maiden on the show eventually? Yeah. Easily. <laughs> ben, you don't seem too happy about that. Yeah. I, I, could, I could take it. Well, Ben, you got to be a little happy. You got to win tonight. Not yet. Blake hasn't determined and hasn't thrown down. Replacements are Iron Maiden. I think we know. Oh, replacements. We, yeah, we know Blake's answer. There's always a chance, but. But, but you know what? I, there, I, there really isn't always a chance. Actually. I went through a period during, um, like, true quarantine i mean we, we call the last few years quarantine but they really weren't but you remember when we were really locked down um and i was just really depressed and i was like you know what i'm gonna get into iron maiden and i think i i texted you scott or called you and i was like i get it now i get it <laughs> <laughs> i think i was listening to like the trooper and i was like yeah <laughs> this is good it's good stuff it's good oh, stuff yeah. and then we found the uh Remember when we were at the Broad Stop this uh, winter? We found that Iron Maiden pinball machine. At oh, the that's right. Stop, which is incredible. Gabe, you got to check this out. Are you are you Broad Stop savvy? I've been there. I used to live in Kenosha, and uh, I would I would dabble, go in there, and buy some cheese. They have <laughs> they have surprisingly good deep dish pizza. Um, we may or may not have been slightly. We didn't get the we didn't get the deep dish. We didn't. We got the cheese cheese pizza. Did I say deep dish? Yeah. Yeah. They have surprisingly good, very thin pizza. Okay. Um, and an Iron Maiden pinball machine. And the great thing about it is you can, uh, there's a button where you can scroll through Iron Maiden songs and pick which song you want to play pinball to. So they're not picking for you. Guess which one uh, Blake picked? The Trooper. No, Run to the Hills. I know that's basic, isn't it? Yep. Basic what do you, which, you were like aces high, right? Uh, no, I was rhyming the Ancient Mariner. <laughs> You want to play the longest song you can? Yeah, I was about to say, you're, about, you're, you're pretty, uh, have pretty inflated self-opinion yeah. of how good you are at pinball. I can play for 13 minutes and yeah. 22 seconds. So you, you guys get signed, Fig Dish, and what makes you think you can work with Lou Giordano? What was going on in your mind that you're like, okay, we can do this? Um, we were, I mean, our touchstones, you know, we behaviorally were the replacements, but unfortunately we couldn't write as well as them. But sonically, we, we kind of had a, you know, of course it took two two of us to play guitar to sound like Bob Mould playing mm -hmm. one guitar, but um, really loved Husker Du. Um, and just, we were surprised, it, just like you did on your first record, your A&R guy sends your demos out to a bunch of producers, they all turn you down because they don't want to waste a month on you. Mm -hmm. And Lou said yes. And uh, turned out to be an absolutely delightful guy. 
um, just as nerdy as you know everybody in Figdish was. Where and, did you record that at? Oh Jesus! So you remember what it was like in the in the '90s, where they would just give you. You could be a band from not even Chicago, from outside of Chicago, and they would throw you like a quarter of a million dollars to go make a record. Uh, maybe. Well, that's what they did to us. Yeah. I have no idea what they saw in us. And so we were like, well, we really love the uh, drum sounds on, you know, this. I can't remember what record we like, but it was recorded in Dreamland in upstate New York, which was this old church. And the drum technician on that record was Carl Plaster. So we went a drum tech and we want to do it at this haunted church in upstate New York, but that's just the rhythm tracks that we want to do the overdubs and, uh, you know, outside of Atlanta at Triclops because smashing pumpkins did Siamese dream there. Okay. And the label labels like sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> just like, drove, drove out to New York and, and Lou just shows up. Uh, he's a Boston guy that he just met us at, you know, outside of Atlanta. We finished it up there. It was just, the most self-indulgent, pompous waste of money you possibly could ever have. And then they're like, who do you want to mix it? And we're like, well, actually, and that's where the label kind of leaned on us because they were like, we're going to have you work with Tom Lord Algae, you know, who was like Mr. Magic for 15 years. Was that because Lou had worked with him on the live record or, or something like that? Yeah, and, and Lou actually was like, I think this would benefit your sound. Um he said, but just don't let him do a full track flange uh -huh. and watch watch the reverb and delay. Right. And so, you know, we were big fans of the Urge Overkill record Saturation, which is like so dry, so 70s, so in your face. Right. Um, so we go in there to tell what algae, you know, the guy gets $10,000 a track to mix. Mind you people, this is the 90s. And, uh, I know. And he was coming off of whatever issues he had so he had like a roll that candy uh spree he needed to just be eating sugar the entire time and so yeah. he was just going roll after roll of spree would mix a track you know some people take a couple of days to mix a track he would do one every three hours and they rent we rented a powder blue cadillac because you did the thing where you transmitted they did the mix to your car so right. you could make, make sure it sounded good on the radio and we were doing that and every time We'd have the track sounding the way we wanted it in the control room. We'd go out to the car, and he's like, just take a drive around the hills, and I'll transmit it. All of a sudden, there'd be all this <laughs> reverb delay on the track. We'd be like, <laughs> drive <Right>. back. <laughs> and this is a guy who had, had like 40 platinum records under his belt, and we'd never even put a record out. And we're back there like telling, telling him what, what to, to do. do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. It was just the whole thing was so... Stop asking questions about that era, man. Well, I mean, we you, we ended up using Tom for our next record, and primarily because of that first Fig Dish record. I mean, we weren't. No, thank you. We weren't listening to anything else that he was doing. You know, I don't know that you've ever told me that before, Scott. Thank you. I, I thought it was implied. I thought it was understood. Hmm. You know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we liked the way that record sounded, and. And but you know you were definitely like well it's like you warned you were warning me you were kind of like well it's like a like the sausage you know you don't want to know how it's made you know you just know it's delicious and so but I do remember saying like, that to a vegetarian holds a lot yeah, of weight by the way I, yeah. I remember I you know we were, he was mixing it in Miami and he'd go just go to the beach and I go to the beach 
and I'd come back and two or three songs would be mixed. And I'm like, what are you doing? I haven't had a chance to listen to this thing. He's right. like, did it kind of uh, piss you off? Or you're like, you're like, we're paying you a lot of money. Don't totally work so piss me off. So like, really, like when you were making that record with Lou, you were, you were, I, I know how much you love that Urge Overkill record, mm-hmm. and that's what you were going for. Sonically, yes. And then, um, you know, we didn't know those guys at that point and then you know as the years yeah as it got into like the mid 90s we were all out with ash i mean you you and me both were yeah anyway um the second record we actually went to studio four in conchahawken because that's where they had recorded saturation so we've gotten like way down in in saturation yeah and phil outside of philly and we went there with the butcher brothers and they started telling us stories and this is before we knew Nash and uh, they started telling us stories about the recording of exit the dragon. And it was terrifying. And it was uh, that experience with that, that whole second record was not as much fun. Let's just put it that way. The cool thing was the other studio there had at various times uh, members of Chicago recording in it. And so there was like a common room with a pool table. And as you know, when you work in a studio with multiple rooms, you know, that's somewhat well known. So they were there. And then, uh, uh, Cypress Hill or the other studio mm-hmm. and, you know, we're like not stoner guys or anything. We'd go out into the pool room, but there would just be like, be real with a joint the size of like a hoagie. <laughs> just like, Hey son, take this. And I was like, nah, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. Um, but, uh, you know, it was really fun. The characters that we met there, but the re- the record's not great sounding. Oh yeah, the scene like that you guys fell in with in Philly was pretty insane, right? Really insane. Um, we, a lot of it we don't want to talk about, right? On the on the show because sure. I we showed you some of that when you guys came through town yeah. at one point. Pretty yeah. terrifying. Yeah, let's. It was, and actually, terrifying is not putting too fine of a point on it. No, I'm absolutely terrified. You're I'm terrified. Your listeners that. will be surprised to hear that Philadelphia has a seedy underbelly. Mm. Mm-hmm. it's not all gloss and glamour like it's you, not all like blue eyed well, yeah. yeah like you think of with philadelphia right <laughs> it's not all cheesesteaks and liberty bells <laughs> exactly so what what were the tours that you went on after that record like you know oh geez we did went out with letters to cleo that was after the first record though right was it yeah so we didn't go out with them. Who did we go out with them? We went the out with record? Letters to Cleo and uh, and Nezatomic Dustbin. Oh, that was fun. Those guys were a blast. And there was one other band on that. The, the Detroit band. Oh, Sponge. Sponge. Yeah. So so that was that was a pretty well attended tour as opposed to the Ruth Ruth one. Yeah, it was a well attended tour. That um it was just so funny though. I remember we, you know, we were doing like, I don't know, probably places that held like 1500 a night. And I remember Sponge came into our dressing room the first night. We'd never met him. And uh, what was the singer's name for that band? Vinny, right? He was, Vinny, Vinny. And he was already like older. <laughs> and he came, in, he came into our dressing room. And we're, you know, we're who we are. We're like drinking beer and you know, eating pizza and looking like slobs. And he just comes in with this, you know, very 
emaciated body and he just goes get out we're like (laughs) we're like what he goes i need your dressing room and like you just didn't do this to other bands in chicago i mean you know we're all pretty cool to each other and we left our dressing room and he needed to jump rope and do push-ups before he went on stage but couldn't do it in his own dressing room right through the through the opening band out so let's just say that was the opening of the tour so let's just say uh various sponge jacking hijinks began after that we didn't take very kindly to that sponge jacking i've heard of sponge jacking but that's not what i oh man you want you you want to hear the worst cab actually caviar all it is is one long bad story about playing (laughs) live that's who we want to talk about who did you tour with when you were in caviar oh people listen to this (laughs) nah we get a couple um yeah, well, so we, the first tour, so our, our booking, it, we got signed to Island Def Jam. Uh, we got brought, we got signed by the guy that signed the killers, Rob Stevenson, who had a really good ear. So and, why, why, Blake? Why, 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 why is it like, all right, Fig Dish, you know, stop Fig Dish, and then you turn around and start Caviar? Like, well, you know, what, is there anything that you can sort of, uh, sort of put into words about why that yes. happened? Yes, we got dropped. Fig Dish got dropped from our record label and no one wanted to sign us. So okay. Mike and I went off and started a new band. Rick wanted to go to grad school. You know, all this stuff was going on. And so, right. and actually Rick went solo with, with his band Ness. Ness, um, yeah. Yeah, and so Mike and I started just demoing stuff as Caviar and miraculously got signed in like three months. It was really quickly. And got Jason Batchko on drums. Dave saw played guitar. It's a whole other story. But uh, they put us out. So even though we got signed by a pretty pretty smart guy, the guy that brought us in was the guy that signed Creed. And, I always uh, thought that Joel signed Creed. No, Joel and Her- Joel Mark inherited Creed. Okay. Um, Joel's a, for those of us who's not there. Joel's a mutual friend of ours that was a good A and R guy. Uh, with Creed, Joel's been on the show before. Oh yeah, Jeez, everybody's been whole- on the show except for you. Yeah, am I the 57th most interesting person you know? Fuck you. Probably, yeah. We didn't have Joel. I know, I'm just fucking with him. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Uh, so anyway, they, they they put us out. They gave us Creed's agent. And the first story put Caviar out. And we were like kind of tongue-in-cheek, very campy band. And they put us out with Bloodhound Gang, which <laughs> like these guys were... Did you, did you ever meet any of the guys in the Bloodhound Gang before? No. Well, they were fucking sick individuals. So they um, they would just fuck with their fans they did they did this thing where like their fans would stand outside their bus and they were like particular sort of person and they would shave all their pubic hair i can't hear this and and put it into like a big mac with peanut butter and be like if you eat three of these a big mac of peanut butter a big mac with peanut butter on top and they put their pubic hair in it they they'd sit there on the bus and shave their pubic hair and say eat this i know and that's that's on the lighter side of things uh, so we, we weren't like real happy on that tour. Um, I remember you were miserable when you guys we were, came back. Looked like you'd come back from from Vietnam. It felt like that. I mean, we, they, uh, I remember legally, you trying to assure Jason Basco, you're like, I promise the next tour won't be like this. It's going to be different. I swear, <laughs> Jason. He's like, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Well, it, they, I, you know, everybody's so litigious these days. I, I have to be careful what I say, but let's just say that, like, that was the tip of the iceberg 
But anyway, the next tour we went out on, I think, was Marvelous 3. And that was just a much nicer crowd, much sparklier crowd. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a good time. You got along with everybody on that? Not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would. Butch Walker kicked us out of our dressing room to do push-ups. And I'm not <laughs> right. kidding. I'm not Get kidding. Out. It was the first night I think we, we met them in like Tucson. And we were playing at a venue that was attached to a, a, a Hooters. And I remember we go into the dressing room, our little tiny room, and there was a garbage can that had one rubber glove in it that was covered in blood. We just walked in and we were like, that's great. <laughs> and then we were like, Butch has to do his push-ups. Get out. <laughs> you're walking out and you're like, Vinny, is that you? Yeah. Um, you know, it, but it was fine. They, they, you know, that, that show sucked, but there were some decent crowds, and they, they weren't bad people-ish. <laughs> call Ruth Ruth. Yeah. Are you ready to call Ruth Ruth now? I can call No, her. Don't, don't call him. Okay. Are you really friends with them? Are you screwing yeah. up? No, no, really. What other bands do you know, Ben? Local, Local H. Local H, yeah. <laughs> Ben's a, Ben's a huge uh, enough's Presence? enough fan. Really, Any enough's enough That's stories it. for Ben. Yeah, I don't like those guys, but I'm not friends with them. Oh, Johnny Monaco, kind of, but yeah, great. Song. The uh, what was the uh, guitar player's name? Like Derek Frigo. Yeah, sounds right. I, I remember we that part of it. No. Yeah. We recorded uh, something with. Uh, Doug McBride once at uh, Gravity Studios uh -huh. and he had just worked with Enough's Enough and he told us a story I don't want to throw Doug under the bus he was a nice guy about recording a Derek Frigo guitar solo and Derek takes like you know, five different songs the solo he's like Doug finally just says you know you play the same solo in every song he's like what do you mean he goes you start out restating the melody then you go and then you go up the neck and you go wee and then you end. Derek Frigo just looks at him and goes, "That's right." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty. Yeah, which we found really funny at the time. Yeah. What about the one with uh, <laughs> where where what's his face missed missed the punch in uh, Nash Cato's vocal? You're asking me that. Yeah, do you remember that? <laughs> no. Like so. I so I remember the the tape of Nash Cato playing. Okay, you're gonna have to edit all this out, Ben. But I so, remember they they had a tape at Studio Four after Urge was in there of Nash trying to get a piano part right. That went on for <laughs> two hours of him trying to play two chords. This is the story I'm talking about. And they titled the tape Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> so he's they used to put it out after hours. He's doing this part, and then he. Uh, he finally gets it right, and he goes, "That was it, right? That was it." And then the the, the engineer goes, "Ah, sorry, Nash. You know, he's been punching this in for two hours. He's like, "Sorry, Nash, I, I missed the punch." And Nash goes, <laughs> "How can that happen?" <laughs> it was it was called Beethoven, and like I, they must have played it for every band that came in. I mean, it was brutal. Nineties. So, out of all those records, uh, uh, all those major label records you made, which one is your favorite? Uh, I think if you took all of them, 
with two caviar records and two fig dish records, you can make one really, really, really good record. Uh huh. <laughs> but it'd be a good record. Is that what you think? Yeah. Why? What? 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 what what's not? What's not doing it for you on that second? Would record? it hang? Would it hang together? Would it feel like one band? It would oddly hang together, yes, because of the. It, it, yes. No. Sure would. No. Well, we're assuming things like Tangerine Speed would not be on the record, which it wouldn't. Um, which was basically the label saying, we want to we want to put this record out, but you don't have a radio single. And I was like, I'll write your radio single. Yeah. And um, of course they were like, this is the single. And we're like, no, it was a joke. Right. Um, yeah. That was, that was that. That'll be on my tombstone. <laughs> anyway. it's, a good, it's a good song. You can't even look at the camera and say that. It's a good song. <laughs> You're lying. Your left eyes twitch. Your left eyes twitching. Cause I'm drunk. <laughs> Gabe, you got any questions? Oh man! Do you remember the tour with uh, Triple Fast and us, Local H and, and Fig Dish? We made it. You know, how, that was like a pretty long tour, wasn't it? Oh boy, was it! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that tour. And I, I, you won't be able to like put it in it. You have to edit it out. But I remember <laughs> we got there the day before everybody else, and there was like a tropical storm coming into we opened in virginia beach it was that tour right and i don't remember where but yeah and we mike and i had the bright idea to go surfing and we got like bullied it was like point break we got bullied by the red hot chili peppers of virginia <laughs> beach for trying to surf and uh and then we met you guys all at soundcheck and you opened i don't know why i remember this but you opened with uh all right oh yeah oh yeah all right all right. Oh yeah. Which was right. not on a record or anything that no, you've just new. written it. Yeah. yeah. And you'd open with it and we were like, shit, it's pretty good. And then everybody got so drunk that night that Kevin Tiesta, <laughs> you remember what happened? I'm not going to no, say, it. I, I, don't I love Kevin. I, I love Kevin and I haven't seen him in a long time. It's fine. What he tried to <laughs> pee on a light socket. <laughs> he used to do that all the time. That's not, that's fine. Kevin, Kevin's proud of it. What's he up to? So he's opening for the Married Men show at right. uh, Hideout, right? Yes. What, what's he? What, what does he sound like these days? We're going to find record, out. The solo records were always great. They were I great. Lost, lost track at a certain point. The last thing that I heard him do was he did this uh, disco cover of Bound for the Floor. Did you, did you hear that? <laughs> no. Pretty where good. is it? Where, where, where can one hear that? Uh, it's probably on YouTube, YouTube or something. YouTube. Yeah, you made a video with YouTube. All right. With uh, is with YouTube John a Travolta. streaming service? What's YouTube? I don't know. I think it's on. Do you, do you have Amazon? It's probably on that. I have. I have the YouTube's. Yeah. Um. And so that was that was the tour. Was that the? No, that was another tour. That when did the bunny get introduced? The uh, I don't the West Kid Bunny. I don't know. I, Rick sent me a picture of me wearing that suit playing speed chess on Canal Street in New Orleans <laughs> with some guy. And I bet him $50 <laughs> and the guy beat me in like 30 seconds. Um, uh -huh. It's just a bunny suit. And you actually were the last person to wear it, right? Yeah, I got shingles from that thing. You got a lot more than that. You probably got like hepat hepatitis Z uh, off of that. Because you remember the last time we played the last figure show ever in the original run? We were killing the bunny 
But if you remember Mike McIntyre, who the guy in the band that was a magician with Mike McIntyre, and he's like, oh, I'm going to rig some blood inside the suit. So we shoot the bunny. Who is the magician? A guy. I think his name was Guy. Oh, Guy. Yeah. Guy the magician. Yeah. But he couldn't find two gallons of fake blood. So he went to a butcher shop and they used actual like blood, blood. And so that's what that was in the suit the last time he wore it, Scott. All that dried cake stuff was like blood. That's cool. I'm used to wearing suits caked with blood. It's not a problem for me. Is this almost over? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the last last lines. Is that the last question? Ben, you, you edit the crap out of this to make it interesting, I hope. Oh, yeah. Everybody else sounds smart on this. I, I just I want to sound as smart as everybody else. Yeah, well, come on, give us something smart. <laughs> well, that's that's the problem. Is like everything you're asking me is from like really depraved times, and you know I'm a family man now. I've got children. What What do you want us to know? That you have children? Is that what you want to talk about? No. Okay. I'd like to shield them from this part of my life. Yeah. Where are they? Uh, <laughs> they're not here. Cave, I like the beard. You look distinguished. No, you don't like the beard. He, look, he looks like one of the seven dwarves. Yeah, that, that dwarf's name was Distinguished. No, he looks like, what's his name? Sid Haig. Oh, my God. He does he in a like movie? Sid Haig. I don't know who that is. That's <laughs> Sam Elliott's brother. This is Where, the longest my beard has ever been. Let's go in tonight. It's over. Oh, oh well, let's oh, talk oh. about that. Remember the beard growing contest? Oh, the beard. The beard tour. Yes, the beard tour. I, Rick sent me a picture from that, too, where I, I had shaved mine into mutton chops. I look like such a dickhead. Um, you look like the singer of Seven Mary Three. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I I had I was reading something before I, I got onto this. And, you know, I, and obviously, we're like done with this now, so this all go away. But I there was a like a clickbait thing that said, what is Martin Scorsese's favorite punk song of all time and favorite band you all know what band it's going to be right mm, what, what's his favorite punk band? clash oh that's right clash right but i and they said he used uh his favorite punk song by the clash in one of his movies and so i'm scouring my brain trying to think of when he used a clash song in one of his movies and it was janie jones in bringing out the dead and i could not fucking pull that up I've seen every Scorsese movie like a million times. I could not pull that. Do you remember when that was used? In that movie? Really? You've seen Silence a million times? I've seen <laughs> Silence not a million times. but You know, The really, Clash is in King of Comedy. I was going to say. I know that. I know that. And that's how I knew that it was going to be The Clash. But um, And then they then the follow-up question was they were Jagger's. Supposed, okay. They were supposed to Jagger's do favorite punk band, which is The Clash. Mick Jagger's favorite punk. punk. I don't believe... Jagger's ever listened to a single Clash record. I mean, you should, you guys should do a whole show with multiple guests talking about yay or nay on the Clash. I, I have had mixed feelings about them from for my entire life. Gabe, uh, I wasn't into the Clash like you know buying their records. I'm only fifty. I mean, I'm not what does there with that you guys. mean? What does, what that, does that mean? Hey, I was I was eight years old when they were doing their thing. So you know? what? I mean, how old were you when uh, the Beatles were doing their thing? You weren't even well, alive. Yeah, but my dad wasn't listening to the Clash, 
So you were not eight years old when Rock the Casbah came out. No, not when Rock the Casbah came out, but I was going to say, my, my, the end of the statement was, I did have the tape with Rock the Casbah on it. You've got some nice compression on your voice. You sound nice and throaty and full right now, Kate. I don't know about that. I, I, I hate my voice. I hate listening to the t- podcast. So do I. I'm glad uh, I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we should talk about the Clash because I, I, I feel like they're overestimated. Does anybody else feel like that? Uh, maybe. Scott, when was the last time you put on a fucking Clash record, man? I mean, I'll probably put on the Equals before I put on the Clash. Equals are great. Um, do, do you know, I got the 7-inch of uh, The Skies Above. Do you know that song about the Equals? It's not on any of the compilations, but oh, it okay, is. I know that. Oh, I got to send it to you. Actually, what we got to do is. You send me the 7-inch? Uh, yeah. yeah okay. who, who are the Equals? Well, who's talking about the Equals? Eddie, Eddie Grant, man. It, they, they wrote Police on My Back. We talked about this before, Okay. When I was talking about Bob Marley and you said, listen to. You mean Bob Marley, a poet and a prophet? <laughs> no. No, we were talking about it, and, and Gabe's words were, who the hell knows who the equals are except for you? <laughs> Blake knows who the equals are. Yeah, but does Blake know the singer of Triumph's full name? Triumph's singer? Well, Rick Emmett was a guitar player in Triumph. Yeah, he got it. <laughs> You had a thirty-three percent chance of getting that right, and you did. And you know, and I know what kind of guitar he played. <laughs> yeah, was it also a motorcycle? Which one? Yes. Which neck? Exactly. Are you guys, so you guys are in some like Canadian? So are you going to go see Zebra? Thing? Are you going to go see Zebra Friday? Um, I got to see who's behind the door that night. Uh-huh. Um, Just tell me what you Zebra want. cover band. Are you going to go? Yeah, fuck yeah! I'm going to see. Where Zebra. are they playing? St. Charles, Illinois. <laughs> yeah. You're going? I am going to see Zebra. No, you're not. Why wouldn't I? Because, okay, send us a picture. You need to show up on your next podcast with a picture of you at, and I know the theater down there. I have a friend there, Jim Chaika, that lives in St. Charles. He has a huge house if you want to crash there for the night. He, he's a big local H fan. Ooh, I can't do that. He has a pinball machine, darts, ping pong in the basement. And all I have to do is be like, hey, Scott Lucas wants to crash in your basement. He'll come down with a bottle of Buffalo Trace, leave you alone. And a knife.
Come on, Blake, give us something good. Come on. This is it. I got nothing. Yeah. I work a real job, man. You guys, you guys wouldn't understand. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to sitting say Sitting there all day working. I don't want to say this has been disappointing. Uh, I don't want to say that your appearance on the show has been underwhelming. I call uh, it a tremendous letdown, personally. I don't want to say that I expected a lot more out of you, but... Uh, I think we can make something happen out of what you've given us. We can't make something great happen. I mean, we're not miracle workers, but we can make something passable. We can almost get it to the level of Rick Froberg, I think. Uh, who is Rick Froberg? <laughs> From Drive Like Jehu. Oh, Rick Froberg. Yeah, Rick Froberg. <laughs> the Sausage King. Yes, right, right. Anyway, I love you guys. What are you guys doing for the rest of the night? You guys want to go hang? Sure, what time is it? You want to come over here and we'll record an episode here? No. Um, no, I'll see you Sunday, though. I think I'll, what, what time is that all that stuff starting on Sunday? Well, Zebra goes on at 8.30. That's Friday. Okay. Get your, get your syllabus straight, son. I'm not really sure what time things start, but uh, it's actually probably pretty early. And then, okay. And then uh, the show ends, and then we just... And then the other show begins. You're talking about the, the liars. Ben's show. talking to Ruth Ruth right now. Look at him. Yeah, look at him. No, no, no. We're, we're talking about Herbert's birthday bash. <laughs> we're birthday muted bash. right now. You can't even tell we're talking. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Right. You can't hear them. Hey, Mike. Yeah. You're on with Blake and Scott and Gabe. And Sponge keeps coming up in this conversation. So I'm dragging you in here. Tell us your uh, last night of the Sponge Tour story. Um. It was in Grand Rapids, and it was us and uh, Red Five and Sponge. Red Five. Red Five. Yeah, Blake. Blake knows Red Five. Yeah, and we we whatever we were with them for like a month or something, and it was the last show, and they did all the goofy, you know, pranks and stuff. So for us, they uh, silly stringed us on stage. Like Sponge did that to us. Red Five. Um, they Sponge put like duct tape all uh, on the stage so that they couldn't move around. It was getting stuck to the shoes. So then we were like, what do we do for Sponge? Because we didn't, it was in Grand Rapids. So it was like this hometown show. And we didn't want to be overly... 
obnoxious, but we figured whipped cream pies for Vinny. Whipped cream and, pies for Vinny. Yeah. It sounds so like a euphemism. Like, you know, gas station cans of whipped cream or whatever and uh, filled up tins with them. And we went out, like, during the encore and hit them with pies. Yeah. So there's two horrible things that happened with the story. The first one is that he... Said, who are you guys? <laughs> he proceeds to get undressed. On yeah. <laughs> he, he proceeds to get undressed. Isn't he always yeah. playing shirtless, that fucking guy? Yeah. Well, he yeah. Was, I think he was shirtless when we hit him, but then he decided just to take everything off. And uh, As you do. He does it, but with like a towel. Like he's got a towel, to, I guess maybe to wipe the cream off or whatever, but he puts a towel around his waist and takes off his pants and his underwear. Uh-huh. He's singing, and everyone's on the stage behind him, and they're singing like the last song, and the crowd's into it or whatever. And one of the girls from Red Five goes up to him and just rips the towel off of him. And Vinny had like the saddest. Like, it was just the most painful thing to watch. And uh, he kind of did this like, oh, shucks, like thing. He turned around and put the towel back on. So that was horrible. But then. He was saying goodbye to everybody, and he, the heat from his body, turned the whipped cream. Oh. And he reeked. <laughs> like, he, sm- he smelled like the worst sour milk you pull out of your fridge. Oh. <laughs> and it was just, it was horrific. And then, were, was it you that told me the thing about hearing him on the radio talking about it? No. Someone heard like an interview with them like two weeks later, and they were talking about how their tour bus still stank. Like they didn't know uh, why it stank, but they were like, "It, we had this thing with cream thing, and the, the tour bus thing smells or whatever." Oh my Someone god! Heard, I thought it was you that heard that on the radio. No, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Uh, All right, well, we'll get you on the wow. show for for many more stories like this. Thank you, Mike. So wait, how did Vinny become a, a creature, a sympathetic creature all of a sudden? Now I feel like, like, I feel pathos. It's like Game of Thrones over here, you know? <laughs> yeah. You you think he's a monster, and then yeah, you realize yeah, he's just yeah. misunderstood. Man, I, I didn't think I could hear a, a story that would gross me out more than the the Bloodhound Gang story tonight, but <laughs> I am appalled. I'm gonna to have to retain legal counsel after this song, right? <laughs> I'm counting. I'm counting on a low listenership. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm coming to the right place. Uh. Anyway, Gabe, good to see you. Ben, nice I don't think we've officially met, have we? No. Hi. Nice to meet. Yeah, you. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think we have. Nice to meet you too. Um. Hopefully, we can all hang out at a. Local H show in Madison. You got to meet Rick Ness again. He's the comparative literature doctorate that's got all the ladies. Are you allowed in in his area of the school? Sure. What do you want okay. me to do? You want me to hit him with a whipped cream pie? <laughs> no. I want you to feed him a. Big do you want match. me to? Do you want me to play that that old fig dish uh, demo? Uh, under the- yeah. Oh my god. He claims there's. There, he tells me that there's some like running or jogging path around campus that he uses and it would be amazing if you just came by on a pair of rollerblades with a boom box with unleash the kraken on it and just just found it but just watch him like just go put it <laughs> put it on the pa system yeah 
good. All right. Yeah, th- thanks for having me on and everything. Um, 57 episodes before you had me on. Fuck, man, that hurts. All right. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to save you. And, and now that we've done it, I don't know why. I've been wasting my time. Oh, 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 oh. I am not.